Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about something called a Beyonce mass. And for the rest of the hour, Christy Bramlett is in the studio. This is The Common Game. Happy Friday. Welcome to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, and Brian Fromm is here, too. How's that? I am here. <laughs> I'm here. Work? Yesterday, we were trying to figure out linguistically the right way to yep, yep. introduce ourselves. and I, I still don't know what it is, but I do know it's Friday. That's true. You you want to give a quick shout out to Friday? Oh, it doesn't it doesn't need my cheer on. Everyone knows Friday's the best. It doesn't need your cheer on. You cheer it on every I time. I love Friday. Yes, I do. Although we were going to take our kids this weekend for the very first time we've never taken them we were as a family going to go to the city on saturday and watch them dye the river green and then it got canceled which i canceled for good reason so i'm not complaining that it got canceled but we were kind of looking forward to that i'm sorry man thank you you guys could just dye your like bathtub green or something you could do like a little brian from from family you're you might be onto something here you could get like green ice cream Uh, i think the point was kind of a fun day in the city not in our bathroom. <laughs> well, but you can make like a like a downtown Chicago diorama. Make it feel like you're in the city. <laughs> You've thought this through. Really, okay, I'm really I'm here to help. Okay, I appreciate. It. I'll, I will run these past my wife, and we'll see it's if probably, any of them it's stick. Probably not worth it. Uh, all right. So here's wait. Did I give the information? You yet? did not. Boy, I have not been on my game this. But week. it's Friday. That's <laughs> yes, accurate. And we're gonna have a grinds my gears coming up. Ah, uh, dangerous. But I'm excited. We haven't done that in a long time. No, we have so not. Uh, all right, uh, you can find us on Facebook. The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good on Twitter at Common Good Talk and wherever it is you get your podcasts. I don't know that we've talked Beyonce yet on the show, have we? Not that I know of. Is this a, is this a first? It could be. Here's the headline. Beyonce mass replaces hymns with Survivor and flaws in all. You want to you wanna get us into the story? Yeah, let me just read it for you. The worship service began with the sound of Beyonce singing Lift Every Voice and Sing, a song also known as the Black National Anthem. Uh, over the next hour, a choir-backed quintet of women singers belted out other songs in the pop star's repertoire. Beyonce's music filled the air between prayers, a sermon, and a communion-like time when congregants dropped rocks labeled homophobia, body shaming, and racism into white plastic buckets that were placed on stage at the altar. On Sunday, March 8th, International Women's Day, a theater in the Kennedy Center was turned into the latest uh, sacred space for Beyonce Mass. After the singers in the Black Girl Magic Ensemble sang Survivor, a song from Beyonce's days as a member of Destiny's Child, the Reverend Yolanda Norton greeted the crowd of more than 500 people. We don't uh, do Frozen Chosen here. Uh, This is not your grandma's church, she said, uh, wearing a purple Won't She Do It t-shirt on the Eisenhower Theater stage. Sing as loud as you can. Dance, clap, love, live, understand this worship. You are welcome here. So there's more to go, but what are your thoughts about this? Uh, my thoughts so far were how much I enjoyed watching you read this. <laughs> I, 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 did. I won't out you, but the words that you chose not to say were interesting. I did. <laughs> and I don't know. I had no reason. <laughs> you didn't have any reason. <laughs> there is some skittishness that people need to understand when we read articles. And a lot of times we will make great edits along the way. Other times we'll make edits where you and I look at each other and go, and it made no, no, no sense right there. <laughs> yeah, I, we, I think we actually have talked about this idea early, early in our show, the Beyonce man. Maybe we just talked about it off air, but I think it's interesting, especially when you read, you know, 500 people. This isn't like, 
Oh, the little neighborhood thing. This is something that has apparently like some level of steam, I mm-hmm. guess, as people are. I think people have always been hungry for some kind of belonging, some kind of yeah. sacred space. And I know that plenty of people will be absolutely offended even by the premise of this. But I, I, I want to move past the easy offense and ask, what is it about gatherings like this that you think people find so compelling? Because it isn't a concert. I mean, concerts are compelling for obvious reasons. Right. This is really intentionally not a concert. Uh, so why why do you think this is something that – because like Norton, you mentioned, is um, I mean, theologically trained. This isn't just mm-hmm. like some person that had a bunch of money and rented a theater just to have a good time. Like there is some real um, theological sense uh, – to these gatherings. And I'm wondering what you think is, is why do you think they resonate so deeply with people? Yeah. And you can't read this without also reading, you know, without also thinking of Kanye West's and his Sunday services and those conversations we've had as well. Uh, I think the resonating portion of this is like you said, there is the aspect of seeing Beyonce, right? So there is not, it's not a concert, but there's that aspect of it. Uh, uh, but I would say more than that, I think people are drawn to inspiration mm-hmm. and this seems to have an inspirational, uh, undertone to it, uh, that let's be honest, that's the reason some people, and I'm not saying it should be the reason all the time, but that is the reason some people come to your church and to my church. Mm-hmm. I want to be inspired. I want to hear good, you know, whatever it might be. And I think there's an undertone of inspiration here that people are left feeling positive. They're left feeling good. They're left feeling inspired. And, uh, and they're also getting to see Beyonce. I think there's, I think all of that plays into this. Um, yeah, I think that's Susan's inspiration. What do you think? Well, let me read what some of the people that have been uh, less supportive. It says, others have been less affirming of the liturgical use of Beyonce's music in a service that includes a womanist Lord's Prayer that begins with the words, Our Mother who is in heaven and within us, we call upon your names. Yeah. After the event at the Episcopal Cathedral in San Francisco, author David Fiorosa, uh, Fiorazzo wrote that doing this at a church was both confusing and controversial. The Reverend Will Gaffney of Bright Divinity School, who noted that the secular and sacred have always coexisted in church settings, said Beyonce Mass seems to have raised more eyebrows than did the u 2 Chorist. Is that right? Is that oh a word wordplay? u 2 Chorist services that were popular among young Episcopalians in the early 2000s. I'd never heard of that. Uh, I don't see or hear the accusation that people were worshiping U2 or quite the volume of is this appropriate question, said Gaffney, a professor of Hebrew Bible. Black women are subject to a compound, uh, compounding of sexism and racism. That is why the Beyonce Mass is received so differently than was the u 2 Eucharist. So, wow, this hey, article just goes on and on. We need to make an important point here. Beyonce is not at this. Yeah, right. So I read this first as like Beyonce, like when I linked, likened it to Kanye West thing, I thought it was similar. But they're, oh, no, no, no. they're using Beyonce songs and right. Beyonce messaging, not Beyonce herself. And the people that are organizing it are, are pretty clear to say um, we're not worshiping Beyonce. Yep. Like that is that is not what they're hoping for. But I yeah, I'm I'm curious. Like if is there any sense for you? And I know that, you know we're both pastors, so we probably have maybe stronger opinions in mm-hmm. general because of that. But is there any aspect of this where you think, yeah, I, no, that's a pretty good idea? Uh, I'm going to show my cards here. I tend to be, which so, I'm about to say something that sounds odd, that because I'm a, I lead a non-denominational church in a warehouse, sure, but I tend to be more of a traditionalist. So these things, I'm not the guy here. Let's put it this way, uh, and you probably have more of this than you. Although I don't know how you feel about this, 
I'm not the tend. I don't tend to be the cutting edge guy who wants to change a lot of things all the time. And so this starts to feel outside of the umbrella of church as we are used to. Yeah. Uh, and also when I read things like we're promoting a gospel message of love, inclusion, and justice, I, that's really good. But I think the message is probably a little different than what we would normally preach. And so those things make me uncomfortable, but I tend to get uncomfortable when things are lacking some traditional underpinning. So how about you? Where, where are you at with us? I mean, in all fairness, most of what you do at Four Corners Community Church, I, I, I own that is less than fifty years old. I own that. So you talk about like saying. a skittishness uh, toward a gathering that doesn't have traditional underpinnings. I, I at least own that when I said it. I said there's something that's at, that's further than I would be willing to go in this. Right. But there's things at my church that are further than some people in very traditional places would be willing. Well, to go. not even current. I think if you were to ask somebody, if you were to hop in a time machine and you know zip back 150 years, yep. and we were to explain. The way that a lot of American evangelical churches look now, yeah. they'd be like, wait, what? It yeah, exactly. doesn't even sound like what we're used to. So yeah. I always want to kind of keep that somewhere tucked away in my brain. But there's certainly aspects of this that I think um, could potentially be problematic. On the other hand, though, I'm, I mean, there's a big part of my like evangelistic heart that says, hey, if this is at least a, a way for you to encounter Jesus, the Holy Spirit, um, I'm I'm kind of for that in some regard. I mean, I feel like, was it Craig Rochelle? I think it was at Life Church. I remember one of their vision statements or one of their value statements was, we will do anything short of sin to reach people for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I've i always wondered about that. I think that is the heart of the evangelist. Like, hey, yeah, this is a little weird and we probably wouldn't agree with a lot yep. of your theology necessarily. But if people are meeting the real risen Jesus, if they're actually having encounters with the Holy Spirit, which you can have an encounter with the Holy Spirit, you know, at a concert yep. or uh, watching the sunset. Like, I'm not saying it has to happen in a religious setting like this, but uh, I don't know. There's a bl- there's a teeny part of me that finds that at least intriguing. Now, I don't think that I would in any way implement something like this, right? Uh, personally, but it may, it, it kind of makes me think of you know Paul and Philippians when some Christ followers are complaining to him about, yeah, these people are you know they're preaching with bad motives. And yeah. He's like, is the gospel going out? Yeah, well, then I'll celebrate all the more. Then I'll rejoice. And I yeah. think, ah, okay. It's such a tricky one. It's so hard to wrestle with. And I, and, and even when we talk about it, I know that even some of my reasoning can kind of be uh, somewhat used against itself. And, and that's what makes these kind of hard to wrestle with. Yeah, I, uh, I forgot to set my timer, Brian. So I don't know how much time we have left on this. We so. are 30 seconds over time. Oh, we are over time. John is sweating <laughs> on the other side <laughs> sorry, of the glass. He's sorry, sweating. John. Well, then I won't delay any further because uh, our next guest is going to blow your minds. I, I am so grateful for Christy Bryant. She's going to join us for the rest of the hour here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey, everyone. It's Ian Simpkins here. And I remember the first time that I actually learned about Thriving Financial. I was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and me and two other pastors had this dream, this idea to better care for the marriages in our communities. And so we started to dream up this conference idea. What if we actually hosted a local conference to pour into marriages and couples in our churches, in our neighborhoods, in our communities? And Thrive and Financial kind of came alongside and not only like made the conference possible, but they were actually interested in partnering with us as churches, as pastors, to help people not only be wise with money, but to live more generously, which was always a value that I had 
and always struggled to find organizations that actually wanted to help our churches do that. And so that's actually kind of the beginning of what's been a really beautiful journey and relationship with Thrive and to actually be wise with money, to live generously, and to help other people do the same. And so if that interests you, I'd encourage you to go to Thrivent.com to learn more. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on Facebook, The Common Good Radio Show. That's where we post all of our articles. You can also make recommendations there. You can also find us at 1160hope.com slash The Common Good and wherever it is you get your fine podcasts. But this, you might be the guest that we've been trying to schedule for the longest. Like we, yeah, we, it's been a we, while. Are, we are tenacious, if nothing else. And uh, man, I'm so glad that you're here. This is uh, Christy Bramlett is in the studio. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Uh, I would love for you to just introduce yourself to our audience in whatever way you see fit. Okay. <laughs> My name is Christy Vanderkoy Bramlett. So fancy. <laughs> I know. <laughs> And my maiden name means little Christian from the cave. No. Yes, Christy wow. Vanderkoy. Right. So that's my stage name. But then I got married. Mm-hmm. I didn't hyphen. Right. I just got rid of Lynn, which was my middle name. And now I'm Christy <laughs> Vanderkoy Bramlett. But I really just, just Christy Bramlett because a lot of people know Eric. So, right. you right. know. And Eric's been on the show before, actually. Yes. And talked very highly of you. Yeah, he's a good guy. He is a good guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, I'm a theater practitioner for... 30 plus years. Wow. Yeah. And a professor of theater and I've mentored and coached and do private lessons and, and now I'm starting a new thing. Yeah, you are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> that's what we call a tease. Yeah, that's right. We're going to talk about that new thing. So you're a professor at Columbia College. I'm just curious, uh, what do you teach there? But also, uh, you know, all these people, everyone's freaked out about the coronavirus right now. And you were just telling us your your school took some steps. You guys have shut down. And I'm just curious yeah. what that's been like for you. Well, I actually just arrived and read it very quickly. So I don't have a ton of detail. Yeah. But I know that I think the plan is we're coming back um, after spring break, which is April 6th. Hmm. Um, and we'll be doing everything online okay. with our students, which will be very difficult for a performative class. I was going to think, yeah. Mm. Right. So um, I, I'm thankfully, I'm sort of savvy with a little media stuff so i think i'll be able to make it i think you'll be just fine yeah so so i actually i met you in the context of our teaching assessment at community and uh, for those of you who are unaware we have a theater space that the kids use and there's this team is usually five or six or seven people and there's space throughout this big room and someone stands at the bottom and they communicate and then these assessors kind of pick you apart And I loved it uh, because I I just love, you know, growing as a communicator. But I remember your comment specifically. (laughs) Am I allowed to share this? Sure. So I just preached. I was really nervous. I didn't know these people. And you you sat back in your chair and you said, are you self-conscious about your size? (laughs) And I go, what? (laughs) Now I am. (laughs) Are you self-conscious? But it was amazing because you had picked up on stuff that I was doing with my body movement. And I'd been preaching at this point for like 12 years that nobody had ever observed. And that's some of the kind of new thing that you were talking about. Tell us a little bit more about your role as a coach and some of this, this heartbeat for your, your new venture here at communicating. Okay. So, um, yeah, I, I did that for like 10 or 11 years. Hmm. Um, and so that's sort of where I got my chops for that. But I also went back to school and, um, became a certified movement analyst. Hmm. So I'm really looking at mind body connection work and I'm a trained observer. So I'm not just sitting there saying you need to do this. You need to make this adjustment. I'm really looking at who you are, Hmm. 
how you prefer to move and then help you become more mindful of that. So you're sort of expanding your movement and your vocal preferences to reach more people, hmm. um, not just people that love you because you're crazy and right. you're really aggressive in the way you talk. Yeah. <laughs> right. Right. Um, there might be people out there that are are preferring slower, um, yeah. more lightness in the way hmm. you move. So you finding a variety, really. Hmm. But basing it on who you are, who God created you to be, not hmm. trying to change you. Right. And I think that. Um, oftentimes when people think of a coach, it's about coaching you. I mean, obviously to be better, right. but to make some changes. I'm yeah. I'm saying you're good just the way you are mm-hmm. because that's the way God made you and gifted you. But how can we make you better? That's great. So a lot of people probably wouldn't think, you know, it says here your passions to help clients use their voice and body to effectively communicate their thoughts and ideas. And most everyone gets a voice. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a lot of people would not connect body. Can you explain that kind of on a very elementary level, how that, those go together? Um, sure. I mean, we all have different ways our body moves, mm-hmm. um, different shaping, like you might round your shoulders forward or you might widen your torso and extend your arms um, horizontally um, or advance when you say something something or retreat. Mm. Um, But people don't know what they're doing Mm. when they're doing it. They just do things out of habit. Mm. Right. So what I help sort of bring attention to are these are your habits. I saw you lip smack 75 times (laughs) and I saw you put your hands in your pocket. Oh, your left hand, 25, your left, your right hand, um, 50. Right. Right. And both you know, 50 times. And it's like, you just have to acknowledge that. Like Hmm. you're doing that and that does nothing to help convey the ideas of your message. Right. So it's really like, don't do that. That's bad. It's like, okay, this, this is something you do a lot. So you can do that 15 times. That's it. Hmm. Now let's look at other ways we can expand your movement preferences. Hmm. Fascinating. So one of the things that I find so interesting, because you were around for our last Exponential Regional at the Yellow Box, mm-hmm. and you taught there, which we're going to talk about a little bit later in the show, but I had referred you to a couple of other churches that were kind of sharing, like, oh, we're struggling with our preaching, and the more that I dig, the more I realize the kind of insight you offer to preachers in particular is super unique. Like, why do you think so few people, particularly in preaching or communicating, are thinking about all the mind-body stuff that you're clearly versed in i don't know really (laughs) i don't know and i i really think it's about the the ideas and you know the message and the scripture and it's very analytical Hmm. um and and that's the way pretty much across the board they're being taught in their programs Mm. and their bible programs and the bible colleges they're not they're not talking about the three-dimensional breath they're Mm. not talking about shaping they're not talking about specific use of the stage space Hmm. And I know all of those things because of my practice with theater right. and movement. I think that's fascinating. What would you say this? this yeah, let me just ask you. What's the number one or two things that uh, most <laughs> pastors, when you go watch people, we do wrong? Brian's got his pen ready for I this one. Ready. <laughs> well, what's I, the one that bothers you the most? Well, really, I, it's interesting because people always get really nervous when I walk into the room. Yeah. They're like, oh, no. <laughs> she She's going to tell me all the things. <laughs> but I don't. I really have to turn on my observation goggles right. a little bit. Um, and everybody is everybody's body Everybody's habit is so different. So I I can't even answer that. Okay. Really. Hmm. Um, I would say probably the one that I've 
had most recently is the lip smacking yeah. and the pockets. Oh, wow. Oh, and the double hand pocket is really odd. That that one, you know, when they're putting, yeah, they're yeah. putting them both in there and they're putting them <laughs> all the way in there. So That's why I started wearing a kilt on Sundays, yeah. actually, so that I wouldn't be tempted. Yeah. No pockets. Like, oh, no pockets, yeah, it's right. Pretty good. It's really awkward. Yeah, or like, you know, just the, an example of this, too, is, that, you know, there was a, a gentleman that I observed um, from Michigan, and he had recently lost a bunch of weight, but his his he still had a habit of pulling his shirt down. Oh, interesting! Um, just to make sure his, as he told me, his stomach was covered. And I was like, hmm. "You don't need to do that right. anymore. Yeah. You look great. You should feel great about it." Yeah, right. So, well, I'll mention it a few more times in the rest of the show, but I want to make sure people know how to get a hold of you if they want to. ChristyBramlett.com is up and live. Right, that's Christy with the K. Bramlet with two T. Why don't I just spell it? Spell it. K R I S T I B R A M L E T T. Correct. Oh, I nailed it. You did. <laughs> we'll also link all that to the Facebook page. But coming up next, I want to talk a little bit about what you taught at this last workshop and what some of the dreams are for some of these future workshops in just getting to be better communicators holistically and what that actually looks like. So that's going to come up uh, the remainder of the hour here with Christy Bramlett here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. You can find us on the Facebooks at The Common Good Radio Show. That's where we post all of our articles, and you can interact and make suggestions there. Also, 1160hope.com slash The Common Good. And wherever it is that you get your podcast, easy for me to say. Just <laughs> <laughs> talk for a living, not having a good day. So Christy Bramlett is in the studio, and we're talking about uh, really all things communicating, but in a way that might surprise you. But before we get to that, many of you know Thriving Financial is a Fortune 500 not-for-profit serving members for over 100 years. And if you're listening and you've ever wanted to be your own boss or you have kind of an entrepreneurial drive or you care about generosity and money, I want to encourage you to take the first step in going to thrivent.com slash careers. That's thrivent.com slash careers or just simply call 630-598-2128 and tell them that Ian from The Common Good sent you. Or Brian. I don't know. They might not get the same deal. Oh, that's true. Yeah. You might want to stick, yeah, just stick, stick with, with the, the, same, the same deal. <laughs> they might uh, not be as excited. We would have given you the job, but you said Brian, yep, so yep, our bad. Okay, out. so ChristyBramlett.com is up and ready to launch. And people can, I mean, I, I imagine the coaching that you offer uh, depends on the context, right? So you have this sure. theater background, mm-hmm. but you've sort of been delving into the church world. What right. are some of like the major differences between working in a theater context versus working in a church context? Well, the amount of alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> oh, which one's which? Is that- <laughs> Boom. Which one's which? Yeah. Um, well, I, you know, honestly, I, I don't, I, I see them, they are different because right. the church or in the church world, really, you're trying to help the people that are communicating to be authentic and vulnerable and connected right. to the word of God in a powerful way that right. is going to mobilize their, their congregation. Right. 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 In the, in the theater world, um, I'm really talking about um, authentic embodiment of character. Oh, right. So right. there is a mask. Um, that you know, actors kind of hide behind, and they get to do things and say things that they normally wouldn't. Interesting. Um, but they get to because they're playing this salty character, so right. they get to you know do stuff that they never would <laughs> in their real life. So I th- I think that that's the difference. Hmm. 
But again, you're still teaching those actors to have that full range of motion, um, vocal variety, vocal mm-hmm. melody. Right. Articulation. Yeah, right, right. That makes sense. Yeah. What, would you, what would you say to the pastor out there, or the communicator who's going, you know what? Uh, it's just about what God gives me during the week, and I'm just going to say it. It's just the words that matter. Let me tee that one up for you a little bit, because <laughs> oh. I've heard that before, right? You yeah, just, yeah. I, God tells, you know, I work during the week, and then I just prepare it and give it. So why don't you speak to that person? Well, I would say... Don't do that. <laughs> don't, I like that answer. That was seriously, yeah. don't do that because, I mean, that doesn't give any of the other people that you're working with an opportunity hmm. to move that message forward. If you're giving them all the, yeah. the message on that Saturday night, the video, um, the songs, the a yeah. sketch or whatever components you're using. Right. They don't have time to get it together. Hmm. And so the entire service suffers. Yeah. Hmm. Also, the longer you can live with the message, the the more you can embody it. Right. Like you mm. can bring it. Yeah. Mm. So I, I definitely think that people need to practice their messages on their feet. Yeah. They need to know it. Yep. They need to really not go far off script. Mm. Um, I mean, unless the Holy Spirit like knocks them over. For sure. Right. 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 I, I do think there's room for that. But I also think that in that framework, um, it, having the knowledge of what's going to be said and what's going to be done, it gives more opportunity for the spirit to move. Interesting. I don't, I I think that people that say the opposite Mm -hmm. of like what you said might be a little lazy. (laughs) (laughs) Get them Christy. Okay. So one of the themes that comes up a lot on the show actually is how we behave online. And one of the kind of subtext of that motif is we've realized more and more. And we learned this in high school that like, 80% 80% of communicating is body language, right? right? 80% is nonverbal, and yet so much of our communicating now happens in a digital space. Do you find, mm. as someone who thinks about body movement and embodiment in general, I know that you work with people in stages of various kinds. Right. Do, you, do you find that like we're, we're missing out by having a predominantly digital interaction, and are there things mm. that we can do even in our physical spaces to make us better at connecting with people? Um. I don't I don't think there's any difference. Really? Honestly, I mean I think you feel it more when you're in the room with a whole bunch of believers. Yeah. Like there's definitely there's a difference there. Hmm. But I think that it, whether you're watching cuz that's how I assess a lot of my communicators. I hmm. do it online. Hmm. Um you can still see. You yeah. can still see if they're connected to what they're saying. Hmm. If they believe in their gut. Right, right. Hmm. Um so, you know, I don't know if I answered your question. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's super interesting. What about people that interact like in uh, the Facebook comment threads where you're not actually getting a visual representation of this person? But like how much do you think is lost if we're engaging in heated dialogue, but it's just me commenting back and forth with somebody else? Mm. Um, I, You know, for me, I, I've watched the messages a couple of times yeah. um, and that doesn't bother me. Hmm. And I think it's because we're used to the pings. We're used to that coming in. Hmm. So for me, I just I eliminate that. Yeah. I mean, even like if you watch any like news show, they're everywhere. Things are dropping, things are scrolling. Hmm. So I think our brains are kind of used to that now. Interesting. I mean, that's just my point of view. I'm sure someone else would think something different. That's interesting. So you mentioned this a little bit before, but I'm curious. Uh, So you go to community, to the yellow box, and you walk in and Ian's preaching. Mm -hmm. Oh, boy. How is it... uh, is, do you have the ability to turn off the assessor yep. and, and like just sit under the teaching and lean? And how do you do that? I struggle with that sometimes if hmm. I go listen to someone else speak. 
How do you do that? And is that difficult for you? It's not difficult. And I think that it when I come in to assess, I definitely there's an attunement time for myself where I really am making sure that I'm breathing, that I'm comfortably seated, that I know that I'm going to be observing. I know based on my um, movement Mm -hmm. um, uh, analysis sheet Hmm. exactly what I'm looking at. Gotcha. Hmm. So I often when I'm assessing, I'm not necessarily listening to the content. Sometimes I have to do a second pass to listen to that. But I'm really working voice and body. Gotcha. Um, And that's both of those things are movement. So. Um, I, I don't have a problem Good. with that. Okay. One of the, and I can vouch for that, actually, by the way, because I've definitely run up to you in the lobby like, hey, did I do that thing that you talked about? And you're like, I have no idea, actually, because I came to church with my family. Right. And I wasn't wearing my assessment cap. Yeah. And you'd mentioned, too, during the break, too, that uh, a lot of the things that I think communicators do that they don't realize they're doing are things as simple as staying behind the podium. Would you speak to a little bit to things like that where physical barriers, even though the audience may not be able to identify what's happening, it is creating this yeah. social space in the room that maybe the communicator doesn't want. Right. You know, you see people sometimes stand behind the stand, but then mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I shouldn't stand. So they kind of circle to the left of the stand, but they don't want to leave their notes. So then they right. circle to the right or they pace back and forth. Um, you have to have an awareness of the space mm. and what that space is. And I think um, breathing God's life into that space. Like mm. you get to, you get to do that. You get an opportunity to do that. And so I think it's important to come out in front of the podium especially when you're telling personal stories. Right. You don't need to look at your notes for a personal story. Yeah. It's your story. Right. Right. So, um, and then also this is kind of a random thing, but in the <laughs> theater world, stage right is good and stage left is bad. It's evil. Oh, really? Wow. So whenever you're making a reference to bad decision, good decision, mm-hmm. you would advise people to like be mindful of which. Well, just don't be talking about God and he's oh. amazing and stand stage left. No kidding. Yeah. I always wow. say, okay, you know, that's that's the bad side of the stage. <laughs> wow. And it's, it's actually the the speakers right and left, not the right. audience right. right and left. So it's stage right and stage left. And so that, you know, not everybody knows that, but I, I notice it when that happens. Like if they're really talking about God and how powerful and they're standing on stage left, I'm like, no, no, no. You've got to <laughs> stage right. You're on the wrong side. Because, no. Yeah. And again, that's like a subconscious thing. I don't right. think that anyone watching would be able to articulate that, mm. but they might go, oh, I don't like this guy. They might feel or I don't it, like though. that lady. Oh, that's so interesting. Okay, yeah. so that brings up like two or three other questions that I want to ask you because I think people are always making subconscious observations, yep. even <laughs> if they don't have the tools like you do to articulate what those things are, which is exactly why you lead workshops like this. We're going to talk about it a little bit coming up next, May 7th and 8th at the Yellow Box. You are leading a workshop with two other fine gentlemen, and uh, I'm going to talk about that, what you're going to cover, how people can learn more, and a whole lot more with Christy Bramlett coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name, you guessed it, Ian Simpkins. Along with <laughs> they the, were guessing. Yeah. <laughs> People, uh, I, I don't know. Michael Youssef? Nope. No, no. Nope. It's Ian Simpkins. <laughs> Along with Brian Fromm. And you can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com. Also on Twitter at Common Good Talk. And wherever it is, you get fine podcasts. So thrilled that we have Christy Bramlett in the studio. And she is leading a workshop May 7th and 8th at the Yellow Box, which I'm a big fan of, obviously. Mm-hmm. And it's called The Connected Communicator. Uh, first, where do they go to learn more? And then talk to me a little bit about what this workshop is actually going to look like. Okay, great. So where you can go to learn more is 
my uh, website, christybramlett.com, K-R-I-S-T-I Bramlett, B-R-A-M-L-E-T-T.com. Perfect. And just click on the link that says Connected Communicate right there on the first page, and it will bring you to where you need to be. Awesome. Yeah. And what's the workshop look like? What can people, who's it for? What can people expect? Like, what mm-hmm. is the what is the workshop intending to really accomplish? We're really trying um, to help people connect. Because mm-hmm. if you're not connected, you're not going to connect. Hmm. Right? So we want you to be physically and vocally connected. That's movement, right? Right. But also the mind and the spirit. Hmm. So John Bloomberg and Sean Williams, um, we will sort of we're leading this workshop together and um, we're putting it all together and we'll be doing exercises and how to prepare messages and how to tell your story and Mm. making sure that you take more than a week to Mm -hmm. wait for the message to (laughs) land. Right. So that we're able to prepare um, and tell stories in the most effective way. I love that. Is this just for church communicators or would you encourage teachers or business leaders, Mm -hmm. other people who speak? Would they uh, Hmm. would this be a good thing for them as well? Yes. All all of the above. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anybody that communicates. I know like I've worked with um, actors, TED Talk speakers, um, Mm. doctors. I I do a lot Hmm. of work with actual doctors and um, understanding how their patients are feeling um, in their movement sort of taking that on and yeah so anybody that speaks or presents it, it could be teachers too yeah. yeah see i never even thought about the medical profession no. but like what an important environment mm-hmm. to be mindful of like hey you said these words but your body was saying this entirely different thing right. and it was really really obvious do you find that doctors are receptive to your kind of coaching uh, yeah in the environments that i've i've had i've worked with them Absolutely. that's really interesting yeah and so um and lawyers as well Oh, I never thought about that. Right? You want to get your client off. That makes sense. That makes sense, though, right? (laughs) You want to win. And you got to be connected, right? You do. So when I saw a preview of this, because you gave this workshop at the uh, New Thing Gathering, which was the day before the Expo Regional that was also hosted at the Yellow Box. Yes. And the whole time I was like, everyone needs to be hearing this. Now, again, I'm a preacher, so like I'm probably biased, Mm -hmm. but the three of you together are like, in my mind, just a match made in heaven. Talk, can you talk to me a little bit about how the three of you kind of came to be a, this cohort superpower? Sure. Um, well, doing the assessments at Community, um, it, Sean Williams started those right. with John, myself, and my husband, Eric. And so uh, we were assessing um, teaching pastors and giving mm. notes and feedback, and they kept saying, oh, my gosh, Christy, you need to do this for mm-hmm. a living. And mm. that's... It's been 11 years. Has wow. it really? Yeah, this is so, the dream of like 11 years finally being actualized. Yeah, well, and really, I didn't see myself doing it. Like, I, hmm. didn't, I didn't feel the call or hmm. the reason to pursue it. And in the last two years, I've, I've had so many people come up to me and talk about the feedback that I've given them that yes. has changed them. Yeah. And so, Myself included. I totally wow. agree with that. Yeah. So I just feel like, okay... God is really making a play here, so I guess I'll I'll listen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Love it. What's that feel like for you to be doing something that's out of a passion and that's getting that sort of feedback? That must be that must make you feel really good. Yeah, it's fantastic. And the thing that makes me feel the best about it is I'm not working with a kid that wants to be on Broadway. Mm. That would be awesome and super great for them to have that. I'm I'm working with someone that has a platform with hundreds, if not thousands of people right. that will make an eternal difference. Yeah. So yeah. it's, it's to me, the game, it's a game changer. It's totally 
That's awesome. Awesome. Well, and I and I'm showing all of my biases here, but like I, I do think that your particular skill and feedback has been so helpful for me. Like I'm personally very, very grateful for your wisdom and your insight. I'm a better preacher because of your influence. Oh. I really am. And it, it means a lot to me that uh, someone like you wants to use your giftedness in that way. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to talk a little bit to the person who maybe there 11 years ago, you, where like mm-hmm. people are maybe starting to kind of drop the seeds of like, hey, have you ever considered this? And mm-hmm. I know that we've talked off air a little bit about like, this is kind of scary. Like you're launching into this whole new thing and yeah. you got a dot com and you're like, is this going to work? <laughs> like, I don't, yeah. you know, would you talk to the person that maybe they have the whispers of a dream yeah. kind of like that, but yeah. they're reluctant to really step out into it? Yeah, it, I, I forget the saying, but it, it it's something like, you know, God speaks to you and it's really the length of time before you do something is how obedient you are. Hmm. I've not been very obedient. <laughs> so if you have the whispers of this, do it, hmm. Um, you know, but also... Uh, you know, I, I think for me, it's really these people that have come alongside of me and just hmm. like, no, this is, you can totally do this. This right. is like a gift and it needs to be offered. And, um, but I think if people are feeling like they want to make a play, they should. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So I, I feel like I need to ask you're a professional actress. You have been for many years, a teacher. Uh, what is your favorite play? What's your favorite musical? Like I saw <laughs> Hamilton and I'm completely not a theater guy and was just blown away. I'm wondering what are the ones that have blown you away? Well, well, I've got some favorites and they're kind of classics. Okay. <laughs> I'm a little long in the tooth now, but I love um, guys and dolls. I always wanted to play the role of Adelaide. Nice. Never got to now Aww. I'm too old and stop it. Yeah. No, I am. <laughs> Truly, I, I did Pish-posh. get to direct it. So that was good. And oh, that's then awesome. Sweeney Todd. I love pretty much anything mm. Stephen Sondheim. Um, and you know, plays every now and again there's a good one that comes out one of my favorite was just done it with nancy beach's daughter sam beach yes. wrote a play yes. called the snare and they produced it at the jackalope theater in chicago which was um a bunch of my former students started the company so um that was a great play wow. that i saw recently yeah. okay so i know you have this workshop coming up and i don't want you to give away for free that which is going to be a part of this conference mm-hmm. but i imagine someone who's been listening now and they are a communicator in some capacity what's like one or two coaching tips or things to consider for the person maybe they can't come to the workshop but they're like man i, I so badly want to improve in how i present to either my mm-hmm. clients or my patients or my audience or my congregation are there like a couple of go-tos that you keep coming back to like yeah be mindful of this or ask yourself this or like, what would you say to the person right now that's like hungry to, to get mm-hmm. better? Mm-hmm. Big one, practice your message on your feet. Mm-hmm. Um, because, and maybe even tape yourself just so you can see what you're doing habitually. Yeah. Um, the second thing is breathe. Mm-hmm. Make sure that you are breathing fully. Mm-hmm. It is the breath of God mm-hmm. like that brought us here, right? So use that breath. Um, and then I would say warm up. Make sure that you are humming, chewing, working your articulators, mm. and even doing a little bit of stretching, especially of your lower body. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Why would that be? Because often we disconnect the lower part of our body, so it, it becomes disconnected. Huh. Um, and again, a subconscious, they're not connected. I don't oh, know, interesting. I that. so That's so fascinating. Big ones. All right, so as we wrap up, just one more time, uh, the dates of the conference, where is it happening? Where can they go to learn more? Can you promise them a high five when they go there? (laughs) Anything you want them to know about it. Okay. So the workshop is May 7th and 8th at Community Christian Church, 1635 Emerson Lane in Naperville. Um, John Bloomberg, Sean Williams, and myself. And we will be 
talking about connecting um, your mind, body, voice, and spirit awesome. so that you can communicate effectively and be awesome. Mm. You just go to christybramlett.com yes. and all the information is right there. Christy, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show with us today. Thank you. This has been a blast. You've been listening to The Common Good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, it's Ian Simpkins here, and after I had this experience with Thrivent where we were able to host this marriage conference with two other churches in the area, uh, my interest was kind of piqued with regards to what kind of organization this was, and it was really fascinating because they approached me, who was pastoring a church in Bartlett, and they said, we actually provide these free workshops for people that want to be wise with money and live generously. And so they sent me this link, and it was all these different topics, questions that people in my church actually were asking. And so it was remarkable. They hosted this workshop uh, a number of times in the coming months for people in our church to do just that, to to be wise with money and to live generously. And that's kind of how this relationship began because there was this no strings attached kind of mentality. It was just their heart to give back, to partner with pastors and churches to help people uh, live generously, to be wise with money and live generously. And that was kind of the continuation of my relationship with them. And so if you're interested in learning more, I can't encourage you enough to head to Thrivent.com today. Coming up this hour, we're going to talk about a couple of police officers and some pretty amazing things that they're doing. This is The Common Good. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm. How you doing, Brian? I'm doing Fromm? great. Doing I'm enjoying great the there? show. I'm enjoying the day. Yeah, I'm doing well. Do you uh, enjoy doing the show or listening to the show more? No, I enjoy doing the show. In yeah? fact, you listen back so much more than I do. When was the, when was the last time you listened back? La. <laughs> last week? Oh, that wasn't as bad as I thought. But yeah, it's just not very frequent. I mean, we've fine. had this. It's it's a it's a personality thing with you and I. You tend, and I think it makes it really serves you. You tend to look back and not just critique, but learn. I'm like, nope, next show, here we go, <laughs> moving forward. I do the same with sermons, which I also don't think is. We have we have talked about this before, and we can we'll probably talk about it again. Uh, if you want to find us, you can. We're on Facebook, the Common Good Radio Show, eleven sixty hope dot com slash the Common Good. Also, wherever it is you get your podcasts, and uh, if you wouldn't mind. A little subscribe, rate, review really does help us out. Yeah. A whole lot. A whole heap of a lot. It's true. Um, but I got a couple of stories here. Two stories about two different police officers. I want to give a little police love. And this first one, the headline simply says, Video of police officer singing gospel song goes viral. So I want to play a little bit of that audio, and then uh, we'll get into the specifics of the story, and then we'll talk about the other story. He's so best in me. When everyone else around could only see the worst in me. Oh, oh Lord, he's all the best in me. When everyone else around could only see the worst in me. Alright, so first off. Like, dude, dude can sing. Yes, he can. <laughs> yes, he can. And he says here in this uh, interview, he said, I had just gotten off of work and stopped by the church where I am a minister of music. 
And on the way home to do praise and worship for myself, I have to minister to myself before I can minister to someone else. That's a great line right there. That is a great line. Yes, it is. It's part of why I think this video went viral, not just because he's got he's got a great voice, but he says, uh, when, everyone else, when everyone else around could only see my failures, God saw the best in me. It doesn't matter what I did because God sees me for who I am. Mm-hmm. He knows my heart. Like that, he was talking earlier in the interview about that just being a song that he, he couldn't get out of his head. And I like I like that idea, particularly... You know, you and I are both pastors, and this is something we've talked about uh, a number of times. Yep. How, how you actually, especially like when we talk about love your neighbor as yourself, mm-hmm. I feel like so often the as yourself sort of gets left off. Yeah, absolutely. And I would, I had a mentor in college that would often say, you you cannot give to others what you don't have. If mm. you're not actually getting replenished, if you're not actually taking time to care for yourself, like how in the world, it's not heroic uh, to not also be looking yeah. after yourself. And he's like, it'll make you a bad leader and a worse pastor. Yeah, that uh, line, I have to minister to myself before I can minister to someone else. I'm convicted by that. You know, you and I both have probably preached sermons where you're like, not only am I not living this, which you don't only preach what you're living out perfectly, but but I'm doing this out of an emptiness. Like I'm I'm the best sermons are when you're filled up and and you're you're uh you've been having uh you know, um good time in the word and in prayer. But, you know, if anyone out there thinks pastors enter the pulpit every week like that, it's right. just not the case. Yeah. And you know the difference. Yep. And I love him going, hey, I've just had a long day at work, but I stopped by the church. Uh, and just to sing and minister to myself, I think that's wonderful. And you can uh, you can see the video for yourself over on the Facebook page. Now, why don't you talk to us about the uh, second article? I have. Yeah, the other article you put up here says police officer prays every day at the flagpole for students. Uh, it quotes First uh, uh, Chronicles seven fourteen. If my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and heal their land. Forty uh, year old school resource officer Deandra Warren every morning as he prays in front of the school's flagpole, according to Good Morning America. Earlier this week, his twenty twenty one year old daughter took a snapshot of Warren bowing his head in front of the flagpole in full uniform. Often you don't see an officer on school grounds at the flagpole praying for our children, her caption read. I know this amazing man of God who prays for our school systems, your children, and our community every day faithfully. This outstanding man is my dad, and I'm so proud to be his daughter. There's not too many people out here in this world like him. Officer Warren, we are so thankful for you. Since 2015, Warren has walked the halls of Wynn's primary and junior high school to protect and pray over nearly 600 kids in the building. He Mm. went on to say, I'd be on my patrol and just pray as I walk up and down the hall. One moment, I just felt the urge to stop at the flagpole and, and start praying at the pole because of what it represents. And with so many things that are going on in our nation, there's a couple things that just stand out to me in this first, this guy's, uh, you know, it's not just a job for him. Yeah. And so his, uh, commitment to pray over the school, pray over the kids, pray for the town. Like there's a real passion there. There's also just a belief in prayer, but but the most um, humbling part of this and the most emotional part of this is just that post from his daughter. Yeah, like to have anybody's daughter say that about them. Yeah, I felt like you were like, getting choked up over a that. little bit. Yeah. He looks, the daughter looks at, takes his picture and basically said, uh, "I am so proud of my father yeah. and what he does and who he is." What what parent would not just long to hear that? I know. So all of this, I'm really glad you put this in here because it's just a. It's a it's a convicting story and just a really encouraging story uh, and a feel good story. It made me think too. It's kind of unavoidable. Did you ever do the see you at the pole stuff when you were a youth I pastor? Did. And when I was in high school, 
Oh, has it been around that long? Uh, how old do you think I am? <laughs> yeah. Wow. They had flagpoles back then? You don't, have to, you don't have to take it so personally, Brian. <laughs> yes, they did. I just did. don't remember how. I was homeschooled. I don't have any they, sense of. They did have seat at the pole when I was in high school. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what? Now that you mention it, I do remember that. I remember feeling really nervous about doing that. So awkwardly nervous. It kind of. I mean, I was homeschooled, so I was yeah. probably not even supposed to be on the property. So you'd go to the like the public school flagpole with some friends or whatever uh, when in, you were homeschooled? Let's say in theory I did. Okay. Let's say in theory I was a good Christian in high school. Don't know that I ever actually did, but I remember thinking about it. That's awesome. <laughs> I remember considering going. Yeah, I think maybe I did one year. I went with some friends, so it didn't feel as strange. But yeah, I remember that feeling intense. Either way, that this story made me think of that. Yep. But also the fact that he does it, you know, faithfully every day. But I think you're right. The part that for me was the most emotional was was uh, his daughter looking to him as like an example and sort of the public affirmation and honoring and. I don't know. That it feels like we see less and less of that nowadays. Yeah. And and that's not to say that a lot of parents maybe um haven't taken their roles uh-huh. seriously mm-hmm. as, you know, pay we were just joking in the office yesterday about how when your kids get old enough to start repeating some of the stuff you're saying, how like weirdly convicting that is. <laughs> yeah. Especially when, you know, you're a pastor and I'm like, man, everyone in the nursery, <laughs> everyone in the nursery. If Owen says this or Brendan <laughs> says that, you know, there is some there's some uh, conviction there, but also like really coming to terms with the fact like, wow, this this kid looks at me and mm-hmm. he doesn't maybe have the categories for it yet. But to see a, a young girl like this post uh, about her father with such praise and such honor. there, Yeah, there's something really, really moving about that. Yeah, he went on to say to see kids faces light up when I give them a high five or I'm just trying to show them a positive light. The positive side of law enforcement, he said. And then they quote his daughter again, what you were just saying. She mm-hmm. said. I felt like I just had to make a post considering the impact that my dad has on all the kids, including the teenagers. Kids come up to me and say, oh, you're Officer Warren's daughter. We love him. Hmm. And it brings me so much joy, she said. It's like, wow, my dad is doing something to make an impact hmm. on all of these people. Man, I love that. And I, I, I wonder if, uh, like, is, as a dad whose kids are a little older, are there things that, like, you read – um, when you read stories like this, you're like, I want to start doing this differently or I want to add what this guy's doing. Like, is there anything, any aspect of that? No, I think what it is is a reminder to me that even at an older, like even as in their teenager years, my kids are watching and that, that, yeah, that I'm right. still, my actions are still having an impact on them in the positive and a negative way. And so to see her just have just joy and pride for her dad, I think that's something I want from my kids. Right. But he's not doing this so that his daughter will be proud. She kind right. of snuck the picture of him, right. which is also cool. Which, yeah, that's a whole other level of honor, too. He wasn't, yep. It wasn't some publicity thing. As it far as we know, some... he wasn't like, hey, take a picture of me over there, right? <laughs> right. It was just I'll be here at 710, have exactly. your camera ready. Right. Exactly. Well, you've been listening to The Common Good right here on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Michael Simpkins along with Brian James Fromm. Good also memory. Also John, I don't know his middle name, Benedict. Ben. And his last name is Adak. His, his middle name <laughs> no, is Ben. it's not. <laughs> well, that's not nice at all. That's a little funny. Um, thank you, thank you. You can find us on Facebook, Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com, slash The Common Good, or wherever it is you get fine podcasts. I don't think we've ever done a story quite like this before. Oh, this is interesting. I found the headline pretty interesting. It's from uh, Quartz at Work. I didn't realize realize that was a website. But uh, high-income people in the U.S. keep marrying each other 
and it's exacerbating inequality. Hmm. This is not a topic that I am well versed in. No, this is totally something I would never even have thought of. Well, it the makes article sense. Is pretty interesting. Yeah, get it, get us into it. Well, it says the top twenty percent of American households have gone from making forty three percent of all U.S. income in nineteen sixty eight to fifty two percent in twenty eighteen according to the Pew Research Center, and the trend doesn't look likely to stop anytime soon. There are a variety of reasons for the increase. Tax policy, the hollowing out of middle-class jobs, the rising financial returns on college education compared to high school education. Another meaningful reason, how Americans choose their partners. Hmm. Far more than they did 60 years ago, high-income Americans tend to marry others with high income. Hmm. In 1960, only 0.4% of married couples both made the top 20% in income for someone their age. Wait, wait, wait. Can you say that one more time? That's really interesting. Yep. Uh, Far more. Yeah. In 1960, only 0.4% of married couples both made the top 20% in income for someone their age. In 2018, that number reached 7.4%. Wow. If couples married at random from the income distribution, that number would be about 4%. Hmm. Uh, the primary reason for this jump has been the rise of women in the workplace. In the past, men who made high incomes were often married to women who didn't do paid work and were instead relied upon to do housework and take care of children. But things have changed. A generation of women advocated for equal job opportunities at the same time improved technology uh, for completing housework like hmm. uh like dishwashers and laundry machines, also remember, this really dives deep here. Yeah. Uh, so it says fewer than 45% of women ages 25 to 54 were in the job market in 1960. Today, more than 75% are. And so we'll wow. stop there. Basically, it's going to say that now, basically, the people, the men earning high income and the women high, earning high income are increasingly marrying one another creating greater income disparity. Yeah, let me read a little further. Yeah, it, it is kind of a deep dive. You're right. And uh, you I know, find these. Huh? You're always <laughs> impressed when you find these. Well, and it's I'm, I don't really know where this conversation is going to go because I don't yeah. know what to do about it. But it goes on and says, if high-income women married low-income men, the rise of two-income households wouldn't have had much of an effect on inequality. In reality, though, women with high salaries are increasingly marrying high-earning men. In 1960, a woman in the top 10% of incomes for her age and gender married a man in the top 10% for his age and gender 11% of the time. By 2018, the share of marriages following this pattern reached almost 25%. Uh, economists call the phenomenon of people finding wives and husbands with similar characteristics to them a – what's that word? Uh, a sort a a sortative. A sortative? A this sure. is we're showing all of our cards here. <laughs> Can't even pronounce the word that this phenomenon <laughs> is called. Assortative matching. One characteristic that has been increasingly important to both men and women is level of education. A 2014 study on assortative matching published by the National Bureau of Econo- uh, Econ- <laughs> Economics. Economics Research found that in, t- in the 2000s, a man or woman who graduated from college was much more likely to be married to a person who also graduated from college than they were in the 1960s, even accounting for the country's rising college Mm. attendance rates overall, which is an added weird caveat because, and I don't have anything to back this up, I wonder if Christians have a higher uh, percentage of marrying people they met in college. I think so. Why do you think that? It's just anecdotally, uh, as somebody who met their spouse in college, I think stats have always shown at Christian schools um, have a higher rate of marriage, not as high as people think, uh, but I do think that statistics have always shown that at Christian schools, more more students are getting married right out of school than at secular schools. So I don't know what this even is referring to. It says graduating from college is strongly correlated with high income. So this means 
there are a lot more highly educated, wealthy couples. The 2014 study found that the impact on inequality is substantial, causing a 25% increase in the U.S.'s Gini coefficient. It's about to tell you what that is. Oh, there it is. <laughs> a popular measure of inequality. Another set of researchers found increases in assortative matching on education in Denmark, Germany, the U.K., and Norway. Richard Reeves and Joanna Venator of the Brookings Institute point out this may perpetuate inequality across generations. Children of parents with the highest incomes are much more likely to go on to make lots of money. The U.S. is already a stratified society. The fact that Americans increasingly pair up with others at similar pay levels both underscores and exacerbates that fact. Hmm. So again, I don't have like any agenda for it's how to... It's interesting. Like, it's super interesting, and it's not... As someone who who has for a while um, cared to at least learn about inequality, yeah. this is not a particular angle that I've heard a whole lot in the conversation. And I'm wondering, one, if you've heard this perspective, and two, uh, how it how this research hits you. I haven't um, I haven't really heard this before, but it does make sense, doesn't it? Yeah, like, I think so. Um, this might be overly simplified. Like I don't know. Um, I doubt that many people – there are, probably are some who are like, I want to marry somebody in this income bracket. I just think probably people in higher income brackets, by and large, tend to be with other people in higher income brackets. Like, I think those are kind of the community you're a part of, whether it's work or whatever else. And so that lends itself uh, towards marriage. Because like my guess is – I mean, you got married later, so you – here, I got married right out of college. I was like, I didn't have a ton of criteria. I was like, well, I love this girl. We're going to get married, right? I didn't have a ton of criteria. And you know who didn't have any criteria? My wife, thankfully. Mm. <laughs> but like, I doubt like income was something that you really put in. Correct me if I'm wrong, where you were like, well, is she going to be able to you know, really support me or this or that? My guess is that people just tend to uh, – high-income people tend to be around high-income people more. Low-income people probably tend to be around low-income people more. And uh, and that's what leads to this. But it's interesting that they're saying this proves to uh, exacerbate um, higher income on the high end and lower income on the low end. I think that's really interesting. I just don't know if there's anything to do about it. You can't be like, well, nope, you got to marry outside your income bracket. Uh, no. I, yeah, obviously that would be insane. But I wonder if there are other precautions or other measures to take. Like it's I mean, it is interesting. I wonder how much of it it talks a little bit about the like educational aspect of things. But I also think there's a social component to this. If you're, you know, if you're a multimillionaire, you're probably hanging out at different types of places than mm -hmm. you or I are yeah. just simply because of what you have access to. Right. Um, and even that's pretty interesting because I feel like the general public has become less and less patient with people of celebrity status railing on, like, for example, remember when DiCaprio a couple of years ago was talking about, um, uh, climate change and emissions, and they're like, yeah, but you flew here on a private jet. <laughs> yeah, you were just on a your private cruise line or whatever. Yeah. Like, there, I think the general public is becoming less and less um, forgiving of yeah. like that kind of rhetoric. But because now everyone's everyone's life is being broadcast, do you ever like look at uh, the Instagram of a celebrity and you're like, wow, you live in a different planet than I do? <laughs> yeah, like the yeah. stuff that you do and see, it's just yeah. a reminder. Like we are different creatures almost. Like yeah. it just feels. I wonder if some of that will serve to, like, break down some of the barriers. I don't know exactly how necessarily, but it's less of a secret how the people with all the wealth tend to live because everything's sort of broadcast. Now, yep. You know what I mean? Yep. And I think uh, this is why movies, uh, where often they will do this differently. Uh, I think that's why they do it because it's so out of the ordinary, right? Mm. 
I'm going to show. You're, you might be surprised by this. I, you know what movie I was watching the other day? Uh, you think I'm going to be surprised, so I want to guess. Think about this income, dating, marriage, maybe not marriage, but uh, the rich and the poor. Hmm. Robin Hood, the cartoon. Nope. I was. Uh, I spent some time watching Titanic oh, the other day. Yeah. That's and that's fitting. essentially the premise is this, right? Why would know. the rich girl – Never you, Stop. You've never seen Titanic? You're going to get – Indignant about this now? I just as this, as if this is like a. This is the first thing from any history, <laughs> any pop culture uh, history here where I'm like, I saw this, and you're like, nope. Oh, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> anyway, that's kind of the premise. Why would the really rich, affluent girl, hmm. uh, you know, be with the guy who has no money? All the rich people are like, but what the are boat you doing? sinks though, doesn't it? Well, that's that... the downer. That's the plot twist at the oh, end. Oh, spoiler, spoiler alert! Jeez, oh, uh, sorry everybody. But I think this makes sense. I don't think what I ever would have thought of is how does this perpetuate income disparity? And I think it's a really interesting thing to think about. Well, we spent. Ten minutes just riffing on it. Yeah, I would love to hear what people have to say. That's true. The article is posted on the Facebook page. We would love to know if this just strikes you as weird or odd or if you have any suggestions for, like, talking points going forward. And uh, we would love to hear from all of you. Coming up next, though, a segment we have not done in quite some time, back by no demand, is Popular a— Popular gr- demand. No. Uh, grinds my gears, returns to the common good. That's coming up next on the common good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Hey everyone, welcome back to The Common Good. My name is Ian Simpkins, along with Brian Fromm, a segment that we have not done in a while. I've and missed it. Well, zero people have expressed that feeling. That is a valid point. We're bringing it back anyway. It's called Grinds My Gears, where Brian and I just riff on stuff that is, uh, well, it's grinding our gears right now. Before we dive into that, though, uh, a little bit about the show. You can find us on Facebook at The Common Good Radio Show, 1160hope.com slash Good. Also, we're podcasting. We are. Wherever, you can listen to every show we've ever done. You can go back to the very first episode and listen to us nervously try to do a radio show. Well, how did you start our very first segment? Uh, you started the show, and then you introduced me. Yep. And I said, couldn't be, can't be, couldn't be. Glad to be here. <laughs> and then I, I, I got us out of our first segment by saying, here we go. Thank you for joining us on Common Ground today. <laughs> mm-hmm. We did say Common Ground. That is 100% And accurate. then they let us back in for a second show. So well, who knew? Now we, we had to break in, actually. They, That's don't, a good point. they don't know we're doing the show. Yep. Um, so I don't know. We haven't really prepared for this. So you're going to get like a real glimpse into like Brian and Ian uncut. Yes. Unedited. My life is a grind. It's my gears. Wow, that yeah. is depressing. I'm 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 in my mid forties now. <laughs> Did, didn't you have like a, an incredible twenty year anniversary vacation oh gosh, just yeah. like a month ago? Yeah. You know what grinds my gears? Oh, Coming back from a resort in Mexico. <laughs> wow. What a what a relatable grinds my gears, Brian. You're re- you're really the radio host the of the people. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you guys hate it uh, when you come back from your two-week vacation and all-inclusive <laughs> resort and there's, like, snow on the ground? <laughs> it was great outside. Do you have any – I mean, we're just going to kind of riff. You said your whole life is a grind my gifts. Do you? <laughs> I'm sure my wife is thrilled to hear that. <laughs> is one of them that you haven't asked Alexa? So but, uh, I got two for you. You ready? The first one is – I just blew past that Alexa comment right there. Does, uh, that, does that mean you haven't asked Alexa? No, I did the other day. Remember, we got these. Like, but I'm actually gotten to the solution. No, I've not yet. Sorry. There's, there's my grasping ears. No, it's not. Uh, it's a, it's I think the head. first one for me is now that I've hit the uh, the old age of 42. 
uh, going on 43. I, I wake, am 42. <laughs> I wake up so ridiculously early, no matter what time I go to bed at night. Yeah. Uh, interestingly, my wife has, is the same age and doesn't have this problem. But and so uh, I will wake up no matter what at like 6.15 and yeah. like, oh, I just want to sleep. It's Saturday. I can sleep in. Doesn't matter. I got to get up. Uh, and people are like, oh, did you have caffeine? No, it's none of that. I'm old. And so I just... First off, you're not old. I've That's, always you been stop an early riser, but right now it is like, oh, you've got to be kidding me. It's 6.15 on Saturday, and most people then can roll over and fall back asleep. I do not have the ability, and it makes me angry. I don't think I've ever had that ability. So what time do you get up on a – well, you got kids. If your kids <laughs> – right. All right, when, not, you, when you went away uh, two weeks ago and you didn't have your kids, uh, what time would you sleep till if you had nothing in the morning? Uh, probably like – 2 p.m. at the latest. Because <laughs> you're back at the college setting. Yeah, right, right. No, it's not that I'm naturally an early riser, but if I do get up, that's kind of game over for me. Oh, me too. Yes, yes. Which yes. is a bummer because every once in a while it's like a 4 a.m.er, and you're like, I do not want to be up right now. <laughs> Your mind starts going. But I don't have anyone to be mad at, though. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah. It's a grind my gears without a an object for yeah. your wrath. You're just like, well, guess I'm up now with the rooster. So, And I'll just start. I'll just get to work. Yep. I'll do some stretches. Oh, you stretch. I'm doing a little Lent devotional right now by Walter Brueggemann that's really good. And then yeah. I'm like, ah, I might as well start answering emails, I guess. Interesting. I'm going to start texting you at like 4.30. Please do not. Are you awake? All right. Here is my main grinds my gears, and then and then we can hear from you. Okay. Uh, here it is. My grinds my gears for today. Yeah. Lukewarm food. <laughs> I hate lukewarm food. God, you are a much angrier person than I ever and would have anticipated. so... Uh, it is something that my wow. wife has learned where she's like, oh, it's warm. And I will walk back in and microwave it. And she's like, you want it like scalding, right? I'm like, I just can't handle food that like at all isn't warm or hot. And and I don't, it's a, it's a weird aspect of mine. Like I will throw food out if it's supposed to be no, warm and it's like stop. a piece of pizza and it's kind of, I can't, I can't do it. So well, the thing, Luke, you can do it. You no, do it. I refuse to do it. So lukewarm food and to go along with that. Drinks with no ice. Ugh, ice is the worst. Stop it. We can't be friends I anymore. disagree with you entirely. Ice is the worst. I cannot drink. If it's out of a bottle, <laughs> yes. If it is in a cup, if it is in a cup and it does not have ice, I will not drink it. Well, more for me then. Ice so is- lukewarm food, no ice in my drink. <laughs> And I think the majority of people out there will agree with me on that. You know, doing this segment so wait, on the on. heels on the heels though of talking about the wealth disparity, <laughs> and then you sharing those grinds my gears is the perfect thing. So for when this you go to a restaurant, do you go uh, drink with no ice? If I'm on my game, I'll, I usually forget to ask. To be honest, oh, I'll ask him to add ice. Blech. Yeah. No, nope, don't need it. Ice is the enemy of teeth. I like my teeth. I don't like ice hitting my wow. teeth. Wow. We should have talked about this before we started a show together. I'm not sure we're compatible. I think everyone listening knows that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's been painfully obvious for 13 months, actually. That's not. All right. Grinds my gears. Lukewarm food and drinks with no ice. <laughs> I'm remembering now why it's been so long since we've done this. <laughs> <laughs> I really enjoy this. This is therapeutic. I'm going to put my feet up. We're just going to keep going. Like the last segment we did, we both were like, wow, what an interesting study. What nope. interesting sources now we're like Friday. We're closing it down. Fun fact though, our uh, microwave just like caught fire. 
my house, so I can't micro everything right now. Fire. Yeah, the inside of it, the the board, like something fried and it started sparking. That's not good. Like it was going to, yeah, so we can't like reheat anything right now. Uh, interesting. You and I kind of having similar issues. Uh, <laughs> not our microwave, our stove. For no reason, two nights ago, my wife texted me, stove won't light. Oh, at all. The burner will turn on. The stove Yikes. won't light. And this Yikes. is where... Uh, where my wife begins to realize again that she married somebody who has zero ability to fix things. <laughs> so if you're out there and you know how to fix a, a lighter on a stove, I could use a little bit of advice. How should they get in contact with you, Brian? On our Facebook page. Just go just hey, say, hey. Here's a message. Direct message us on our Facebook I'm page. a handyman. I'd love to help you out, Brian, from. Yeah, or just tell me, hey, yeah, here you go. Are you looking for some new windows by chance? Oh, you want... <laughs> Anything else we can try and Gosh, fish for I want here? New, I want new windows, yes. <laughs> Yes. All right, Gwent, you got to grind. What's going on, Grind? I feel bad because it's something that you do. For real? That, now this is going to get personal. It got it got real serious. It just got real. It's not going to be. John, not, mark this. You're not going to be offended <laughs> by this. But I, the only reason I know that you do it is because we leave the studio at the same time. And uh, when we're making that left onto the freeway, you know that you need to merge left onto the freeway. And so that is what the far left lane is for. It's two lanes that turn left. And you always take the right one and then speed in front of everybody and then cut Thank in you. so that you can merge. You do it every, every time. single time. That is a <laughs> So what are you suggesting gears. I should be doing? You should be far left because the far left merges but, left. But where's the right merging? They're both merging on no, the highway. They go straight. There's another see, you don't even know that there's but another isn't road. Isn't that, that lane eventually merging back in, or you're saying there's an exit coming you're, up? You're supposed to right. The, the far right is to keep going straight when mm. you make that. <laughs> do you know what I'm gonna do today? What? Same you thing. Passed you on the right side. <laughs> That's fine, and it doesn't. I've not lost sleep over it, but I okay. I have observed it, and I thought next time we do this segment, I'm going to let Brian Fromm you, know you have judged me. So I, so no judgment. So when you are of the merging type, <laughs> when it's time to merge, not on that road. I get what you're saying. Sure, but when you're just merging, maybe there's some construction. Yeah, there have been studies that say you should go as far up as you can and then merge over. But you, but know you who did always, those studies though. But communists. I was going to say you do kind of look like a jerk when you do it. So what do you do? Do you try to merge early, even though you know it's going to take you longer to get up there? Or are you one of these guys who goes all the way up? Oh, I'm a total hypocrite. It, it it completely depends. I actually, our friend Dallas Jenkins posted an article a few months ago on it's like called like the zipper, the zipper effect. effect. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. He, and the whole premise is that it actually is better for the flow of traffic yeah. for some people to fly all the way. But ahead everybody hates merge. you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when well, you can see why, right? Oh, totally. I do have to say, and I know that we're just like having fun. It doesn't actually really grind my gears. I, I just. I know. I just wanted to dog you a little uh, bit. Whereas lukewarm food and drinks from the whites do grind. It me. really does. Just, it seems to have, like you're getting red in the face right now. Yeah. You seem really upset. Yeah. Last thing that grinds my gears. We get another one. Coronavirus. Oh, gosh. <laughs> but we I mean, we got to say it. Right. We got to do it. I hope some official somewhere like like quotes this show. Like, I'm with them. This really yeah. grinds my gears. I actually gears. didn't think it was a big deal until that host of the common good said <laughs> The coronavirus grinds my gears. That, that's how we're going to get launched into uh, a <laughs> syndication there. There it a, is. A reference His hot this. take on the coronavirus. <laughs> yeah, local man, gears ground by coronavirus. coronavirus. People realize, oh, it is bad. <laughs> yeah, right. That was the light bulb moment for them. All right. Well, coming up That next, was fun. I feel let's, good. Let's keep the fun going. Yes. And uh, land this plane with a little interweb insanity stories we have not read, sound effects we have not heard. That's what's coming up next here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope for your life. Here's some weird stuff we found on the internet. Here's some more weird stuff we found on the web. 
Well, hi, everyone. That music, as most of us know, many of us know, I won't say most, maybe you're brand new to the show, yeah. and if you are, welcome. Welcome. It's about to get weird, though. And uh, I do, I do feel the need to, yeah, yesterday, or Wednesday, one of the one of the weeks was, one of the weeks, one of the days yeah. was particularly strange, Yeah, dark. And it does feel weird that then we just end the show. And we're like, mwah, good night, everybody. <laughs> it's a weird way. It's a weird yeah. tradition that we've completely backed ourselves into. Yeah. And I'm good with it. Are you? Yeah. All right. So this is how it works. Uh, these are stories that our producers have selected for us. We have not read them at all. We have no idea. Sometimes they have like a little glimmer in their eye, which makes me particularly nervous. Yes. Like they, I think they like watching us squirm. And then there's accompanying sound effects that we also have not heard. And uh, I'm finding out more and more how many people actually love this segment. Great. So why don't you kick us off? First one's out of Louisiana. Couple accused of stealing $1,000 worth of beer. Oh. A Louisiana couple accused of swiping more than $1,000 worth of beer from the shelves of a Target store. Uh, or multiple Target stores, was arrested on theft charges Sunday. East Baton Rouge's sheriff's deputies began investigating the beer burglaries last week. The couple made six runs to two Baton Rouge Target locations less than 10 miles apart. Oh. Uh, Ashley Forbes and her husband, Matthew Forbes, were captured on security cameras filling shopping baskets with cases of beer before slipping out of stores without paying. Authorities said the two were arrested Sunday after they attempted to steal additional merchandise from other stores. Slip out with a, a cart full of beer. That's a good question. Don't they have the little uh, little things of beef? Feels like you should have been stopped. All right. Next one's out of Texas. Bible undamaged as engine fire engulfs truck. It's a picture of a Bible. Okay. So a Texas woman's truck was engulfed in flames Sunday in Deer Park, but she credits some divine intervention and a little help from the Deer Park Fire Department for minimizing the damage, preventing any injuries to herself, and saving her Bible. A report said Monday. Trina Carr said she was driving her truck when God told her to pull over because something was wrong. ABC 13 reported as she pulled over, she noticed the truck began to smoke and quickly exited the vehicle. The fire was quickly extinguished. Once the fire was put out, a search of the truck revealed that the fire melted the dashboard, the engine compartment, and passenger compartment, but the Bible and notebook belonging to Carr were saved. The Bible's back cover sustained some damage and a little water on the page, as a Facebook post by the fire department reported. Many thanks to my brothers in DPFD for distinguishing my truck. They arrived quickly and headed out in no time. Thanks be to God. My wife was able to pull over and get out in time, Trina Carr's husband Mike said in a separate Facebook post. Now, if you'll excuse me, I have to appear in a tortilla in Mexico. We mentioned that we don't select these. That was funny. That was pretty funny. <laughs> Next one's out of Spain. Huge lion. For some reason, lions in quotes. We're about to learn why. Yeah, spotted not, roaming. Oh, spotted <laughs> roaming streets. Turns out to. I just could have just read the headline. <laughs> Turns out to be a dog. A huge animal that was recently spotted roaming the streets of a town in Spain was initially thought to be a lion before testing confirmed it was actually a dog. It does look a lot like a lion. It really does. Police in Molina de Segura say they received. Did I miss that one by a lot? I, you didn't miss it. It's just weird that you like put on this accent. <laughs> things. Said they received several reports over the weekend from people claiming to have seen a lion on the loose near a public garden. Law enforcement officials corralled the animal and conducted a microchip test. The test indicated that the animal was a large dog with an odd haircut that resembled a lion. It was later reunited with its owner, although it's not clear why the dog was shaved in such a way. Is that just from the Narnia? 
Oh, no, I think it's from the MGM studio. Oh, mine, right? Maybe, maybe. All right, Alabama indicted Alabama sheriff fakes coronavirus to delay trial. <laughs> oh, please don't do this, people. Yeah, not a great idea. Attorneys for an Alabama sheriff who's set to go on trial for felony theft charges were slammed by the judge for seeking a delay by claiming their client was hospitalized with possible coronavirus. Limestone County Sheriff Mike, Mike Blakely's attorneys made the claim in a filing on Friday, but a rare Saturday hearing showed the claim was false. Circuit judge... Judge Pride Tompkins criticized. Hey, hold on. Is, is the judge's name Judge? Circuit Judge. Judge Pride Tompkins. Is that right? It's either a misprint or the judge's name is Judge. Or One the judge's name is Pride. That's e- a good point. Either way, that's cool. Criticized the defense for making claims that, the, that could cause a public panic. I don't know what your tactic is, but it's condemned by the court, Tompkins said. You're what we call a goner. <laughs> Last one out of Florida. Passenger post video of mostly empty flight to Orlando amid coronavirus. Yeah, I saw this. A passenger traveling from Salt Lake City uh, to Orlando shared footage of an almost empty Delta Airlines flight on March 9th as the spread of the new coronavirus led to airlines across the globe suspending flights or modifying services. This does not happen very much anymore. Flight to Orlando mostly empty, over 100 seats unused. Delta announced it would waive fees for changes to bookings between March 1st and March 31st to accommodate people making changes to their travel plans as a result of the outbreak. The CDC recommended postponing travel to areas under warning level three, but has not grounded domestic U.S. flights. Get off my plane. <laughs> well yeah, That was pretty good. Well played. Pretty on the nose. We made it, Brian. We did it. We did a, a whole good week. week. A good week. Yeah, let's say B minus. B minus. We, we did okay. We made it. We survived. And uh, we're so glad that you joined us for the week. Hope you'll join us again on Monday from 4 to 6 p.m. and every weekday here on The Common Good on AM 1160. Hope your life. Have a great weekend, everyone.